All right, hit the music and let's go. All right, whether you like fastball, sliders, change-ups, or slurves, we've got your pitch right here in the strike zone. Welcome, everybody. I'm Matt Stryker along with Mike the Rotocop. You can read me at rasball.com. Find me at Matt underscore Stryker underscore. Listen to me right here. And the man to my right. Mike. Go ahead. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought you were going to intro me. I was about to, but you started speaking. Oh, I'm sorry so for now cutting you off. Mike the Rotocop. At Mike the Rotocop on Twitter. You can find me at PitcherList.com, MetsmerizedOnline.com. And we have a special guest today, one of uh, our guys from Metsmerized, Joe DeCaro, will be coming on the show. Yes, the executive editor of Metsmerized Online. You know something? So we, we've just gone on the air, and already I feel like we're going to fight. And I feel like that's a theme here in You came baseball. in here very hard. Are you going to mic flip? Are you, you going to flip the mic and just be like, yeah? This is a baseball podcast, not an MMA podcast. I think okay. you need to remember that. All right. Um, or so, a boxing podcast, so, actually. So let's get into our boxing. All right. So very quickly, for those that are interested, uh, so we are recording this today, Thursday. Tomorrow, I have the absolute amazing opportunity to go to work for uh, ESPN and top-ranked boxing over at Madison Square Garden along with Fight TV. I'll be uh, hosting all the interviews for the Crawford Con fight, so I'm very excited about that. Are you a boxing fan at all, Mike? I am a boxing fan. Yeah. Boxing, MMA, I'm WWE, I'm all about it. No, not WWE. Uh, so just real quick, give me the prediction. Crawford Con, who wins? Uh, considering that Crawford is minus 2,000 on <laughs> Fed Online and uh, the over under for rounds is 9.5, I'm right. going to go with Crawford in a, in a knockout here. Yeah, a lot of experts. I don't think Con, Con takes it all the way. Yeah. A lot of experts are picking Crawford uh, for a knockout in the sixth or seventh round. But, but that's I did why. bet against Daryl Spence his last fight How dare to you? not go 12 rounds. No, okay, just fine, to not to go fine. 12 rounds. And what happened, it went 12 rounds. Hey, so of course. There you go. So don't touch anything. <laughs> all right, so all this talk about fighting and stuff, let, let's jump right into what's going on in baseball. A lot of people are split right down the middle on this Tim Anderson bat flip situation. Now, for those that are not familiar, uh, on Twitter, at Jomboy, J-O-M-B-O-Y, put together a great mashup that really tells the entire story. Mike, you're going to pull that up and let the listeners hear? Yeah, so let's uh, let's do the Tim Anderson bat flip first, okay. and then we'll get into the, the mashup that John Boy did of the White Sox calling it and the Royals calling it. So this is the Tim Anderson two-run homer. Mind you, bottom of the four, three-two count, two outs in the inning. Tim crushes this ball. He throws the bat. The ball goes flying. It is gone. Two nothing Sox. The ball was majestic. The bat was a javelin, and the Sox lead. Oh, that was a pretty good call. The ball is majestic. The bat was javelin. Pretty, uh, pretty accurate to what happened. So and now here's the uh, oh, a little premature there. Here's the. You have something to say before? No, it's your show now. You go so right ahead. Uh, what do you say? Here's the John Boy mix-up of the White Sox broadcast and the Royals broadcast, and you could pretty—it's uh, pretty self-explanatory. Who's who? Here it is. And here come the benches. Fun in baseball is not allowed. We have to yell at each other because he flipped his bat because he hit a home run. Why don't you just get him out? That would be the idea. But this is not the first time Tim Anderson has done that. No, I mean that—that that was pretty flagrant, especially after he threw the bat and then he. He yelled something and it looked like it was it, it, towards Baldonado. I mean, you understand that it's a very competitive game. Totally get it. That's the way it used to be in baseball that you're going to get a hit when you do something like that. But you can also get him out. You can't expect to, to just be flagrant and flaunt like that, you know, and show your opponent up without any repercussions. There's an easy way to take somebody and shrink their ego a little bit. You keep them off the base path. It's a tie game. 
the lead run is at first. Do better baseball. So you get the gist of it, that obviously the Royals guys are signing with the Royals, the White Sox guys are signing with the, with the White Sox, and you see a lot of uh, let the kids play online. I'm, I'm right. curious to hear your thoughts about all this. So, so there's a few things. Uh, the, the bat flip was pretty adamant. It wasn't just a flip. I mean, he threw the bat. He shouted at, in Maldonado's direction, and, and, and Anderson was just pumped up, and, and I get that. Uh, if you watch what happens afterward, Anderson even says to Maldonado, no, 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 we're good, we're good, after after Anderson gets plunked. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> to me, the clearing of the benches is where I have the issue. Honestly, if you're going to come off the bench, it's almost like in your industry, if you're going to pull your weapon, you better use it, right? These guys come off the bench just to be a part of something. To me, you're going to fight, fight. I, that's it, because the more that we talk, the more you're telling everyone that's watching, you don't really want to fight. So that, that's the first thing. I understand these guys get paid millions of dollars and a broken hand would suck. But, yo, if you're going to play tough guy, then you have to at some point back that up. I'm beginning to see that bat flips are part of being excited and competitive, but then again, so is being plunked. My only problem is this. You plunk a guy, you put that guy on base. Mm -hmm. you, you don't win anything by doing that. So here's the deal. You want a bat flip? Cool. Understand that you're going to get hit. On the next time you're up, up at bat, as long as you don't get hit in the head or in the hand, I'm cool with all this. Let it go. Let's play. We don't need to clear the benches. And there was also some other stuff going on. It looked like it was with, with Nettie Yost, mm -hmm. but, but I, I didn't know, you know the backstory there. You're going to fight, fight. If not, you guys are getting paid millions of dollars to play a game. So that's my two cents for whatever it's worth. There's a couple, a couple layers to pull back here. Um, one thing you brought up was the guys running out of the bullpen and stuff. How would you feel about the third man into any situation like this? Two week suspension. Fine. The third man. Listen, that I, would stop all. It would stop everything. Every single baseball brawl there is, ninety nine percent of them at least, mm -hmm. that would stop it all. I mean, would they, you agree with the rule like that? They do it in hockey, right? The third man in, I think, is, is a game misconduct. Yeah. Listen, I remember Robin Ventura and Nolan Ryan, uh -huh. and Ventura foolishly charged the mound, and Nolan Ryan beat his ass, just put him in a headlock and gave him noogies like he was his kid. You know something? If Anderson's gonna fight, uh, who was it? Keller that that hit him. Yeah, Brad Keller. Get fight. Go ahead, do your thing. We'll all clear. And it's not, again, because it's baseball and they use their hands, whatever, you're not going to throw punches. I understand that. Listen, I used to work the door at a bar in Manhattan called Bar None. I'm not the biggest guy in the world, but the first thing my boss told me is if you leave a mark on a patron when the cops come, you're going. So why I'd love to see Tim Anderson double leg Keller take him to the ground. The minute you're down, good, let's get up and we'll be done. Where is, where's the line? You know, I understand if I'm going to hit you in the butt, I'm going to hit you in the thigh, Cool. Don't be a dick and let's yeah, move on. Yeah, that's that's kind of the thing that we're going to get into now with unwritten rules. Um, so I got, I pulled up a whole bunch of unwritten rules here that sure I wanted to did. ask you about. It. How'd you pull them up if they're yeah. unwritten? Interesting. In a in a minute, but I want to play for you. And before, let me preface this by saying I have no problem with Tim Anderson flipping bats. I'm all for bat flips, but. Tim Anderson's been playing baseball long enough that he knew he was going to get thrown at. Absolutely. There's no way he was going to that at bat thinking he wasn't going to get thrown at, especially with the history between the White Sox and the Royals. 2017, Marcus Stroman strikes out Tim Anderson. Right. Tim Anderson was not happy about it. The same guy who's tweeting, let the kids play, and all this other stuff was not happy about it. Here's Tim Anderson after that game. After the Stroman game. After the Stroman game in 2017. Okay. Because a lot of guys are doing strikeout struts now on the other side. You know, just this, you know, the way he carry himself is... I feel like I felt disrespected, so, you know, uh, I had to do what I had to do. So. How did you feel disrespected in, in the situation? Uh, just, you know, when I stepped out, when he was, you know, going slow, he said a few words, and, you know, I let it, I kind of let it let it go. And, uh, you know, after, after he struck me out, he, 
Your mom was something else. So. So he was saying something during the abandonment. So yeah. He said something too. And you just kind of look. So he wanted to go after Strowman because he mumbled something after striking him out. The same guy that's saying he should be able to throw his bat into the first row against Kansas City Royals after it's a home run. This I don't is, understand the parallel. This is two different things. If I say something to you. What could he really said that he wouldn't have got kicked you, off that field? You can't hit me. I got you. Tell your wife and my kid I say hi. Whatever he said You think to that's him. showing somebody up more than taking a bat and throwing it 20 feet in no, the air? No, but what Anderson said was that he felt disrespected. And, that and Brad me, Keller didn't? I don't know. That's the thing. Keller, to me, there's that unwritten rule in baseball. You show me up, I show you up. The but game patrols itself. And I what, agree. And what Brad Keller did was right. And 100%. what Tim Anderson did was right. And, I'm and not saying either of them are wrong. And, and let's move on. Exactly. Yes. But the people that are that are um, on Tim Anderson's side of this, he's got to play it both ways. You can't get, You can't strike out and talk shit to the pitcher Correct. if the pitcher's talking shit to you like he's doing something wrong. Correct. Because when the roles are reversed, that's what you get. You get I, a guy who's contradicting himself. I 100 and 10% agree with you, mm-hmm. but something else that Anderson said that, that struck me, and this has always been a thing for me, I felt disrespected. You disrespected me. What is that? Because, again, <laughs> I was always taught, a lot of people say, oh, you have to earn my respect. So I was always taught by my dad, everyone I meet has my respect. They have to earn to lose it. That's a totally different story altogether. So when these guys are, oh, you go disrespect me, here's the thing. The players know where the players stay at the hotels. They see each other at the same restaurants. Mm-hmm. Again, this could be toxic masculinity, but if we have beef, yo, man, let's settle this. But here's the thing. I make $21 million using my hands. The last thing I'm going to do is try to let my emotions get in the way by punching you in the face. And I don't know about you. I've thrown plenty of punches in my life. All right. If I've thrown a thousand of them, 400 land clean. And, mm-hmm. and, and fighters out there will tell you it's hard to land a clean shot. And when you do, it hurts you. It runs up your arm. It stings. When you catch someone right, you know it. So you have to just choose. What do you want to do? Do you want to posture and pontificate? Pontificate. You want to posture and, and show everybody I'm a tough guy, I'm a tough guy? No. I, I, just, I just think there's a lot of, hey, look at me. Hey, look at me. I like the guys that quietly do their thing. Joey Votto, you'll never see him do that. Mm-hmm. Max Scherzer, he doesn't need to do that. Just stuff like that. that and it's something me. like, uh, and I texted you this on the side. To, I to bring your text now. To bring MMA up again. Jorge Masvidal, he didn't need to do that whole Leon Edwards thing for people to know not to mess with the guy. No one was messing with the guy before that. He didn't need that. But now he kind of made Leon Edwards a bigger name by doing that. You know what I mean? And he spoke on that on the Joe Rogan podcast. But to what you were saying about these guys, there's certain guys that don't need to know. Don't need to do that stuff. And Tim Anderson is having an insane year. He's hitting yeah. 424 coming yeah. into today. But the story is not Tim Anderson's hitting 424. The story no. is Tim Anderson did the bat flip and everything else. Before Joe calls, uh, yes. so the unwritten rules, real quick. Go. I'm just going to give you a couple. You tell me if they're uh, if they're dumb or not. Never steal when you're two or more runs down. Eh. That's more of a philosophy. Yeah. That's more of a philosophy. And that's more of you don't want to make it out. Don't, you're trying to earn don't steal that. when you're well ahead would be a... That's a different one. Yeah, that, that I can see that. If you're up seven, eight... But then again, in this day and age, the game changes, man. The game changes. Eight-run leads aren't safe anymore, especially with the way bullpens are. Neither are the 31-point leads. That's the Golden State Warriors. There you go. Um, don't talk about a no-hitter while it's in progress. <laughs> I think that's more of like a superstition yeah. than, than, than an under... You Here, know. Here's, a, here's a famous one that uh, A-Rod was a culprit of. Don't step on a pitcher's mound. I think that's akin to uh, when you go into a locker room in, in hockey, don't step on the seal, mm-hmm. you know. But but then again, how does that 
impact. Now, as far as don't step on my mound, I know a lot of pitchers like to create little surfaces for themselves. You'll yeah. see pitchers digging in. That could be that you're messing with my little area. Don't come into my your living personal room. personal space. Put, yeah. put your feet on my, on my table. So that I can understand. Um, so there's that. And then the last one I put here is uh, don't bunt to break up a no-hitter. It's cheap, but if you're bunting to get on base to create runs, yeah, that's one thing. But this is something we can talk about more. Let's take this call right now. Here we go. All right, stepping into the strike zone, a very special guest. We've been talking baseball and unwritten rules, and now we're going to hear from Joe DeCaro, the executive editor of Metsmerized Online. Welcome to the strike zone. I'm Matt Stryker, along with Mike the Rotocop. What's up, Joe? Hey, guys. How are you? What's going on, Joe? Nice to have you. Thank you. So thanks for being here. So right now we're in the middle of this conversation about unwritten rules in baseball. Obviously, this was brought on by the Tim Anderson bat flip and things like that. Uh, has there been any discussion internally in your office, any discussion with the Mets? Are there any thoughts on this uh, outside of Chicago and Kansas City? I'm sorry. I, I You cut off on me, and I didn't catch the first part of your question. Uh, talking about the unwritten rules in baseball, uh, born from the Tim Anderson bat flip, Mike and I were just discussing some of these rules. We wanted to know if in your office or even in Mets camp has this conversation come up. What are some thoughts going on outside of Chicago and Kansas City? Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I, I guess you could say it's pretty divided 50-50. I mean, um, I mean from, my, from my perspective, um, you know, I don't have any problem with bat flips. Uh so, you know, I, I, I took offense to uh, the way Kansas City reacted. It was uncalled for, and, uh, you know, that's the way I feel about it. I think, uh, you know, now I'm not saying that you should be doing a, a bat flip when you hit a home run and you're still down by 10 runs. You know, I certainly don't advocate that. But, um, you know, the guy was excited. It was his uh, first home run, I believe, and... Uh, he showed some enthusiasm, and I don't have a problem with that. Now, what I was saying before uh, before you called in, Joe, Mike here, what I was saying was I don't have a problem with it either, but Tim Anderson had to be expecting some kind of retaliation his next time up. And this is a guy that we just played a clip of got upset with Marcus Stroman last season, or two seasons ago, excuse me, after he struck him out. So it's kind of, I don't think anybody's in the wrong here. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that, yes. Um, actually, um, until you just mentioned it, I actually forgot he had a that incident with Strowman last season. So, uh, yeah, I guess he should have uh, expected something. I mean, it was a pretty emphatic bat flip. It wasn't just your, your typical bat flip either. I mean, uh, so, yeah, I guess uh, he, he kind of had it coming. But um, at the same time, you know, you don't want to see these – you don't want to see somebody get injured, uh, you know, for just um, – being a little bit too over-enthusiastic, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally understand what you're saying. All right, so so here in, in New York, uh, a lot of the sports talk radio uh, the past few days have been talking about Stephen Matz's last outing and, and the manager's decision to leave him out there. Um, your personal thoughts on that? <clears throat> well, um, all right, well, let me start with Callaway. <laughs> uh, my, my, my problem... With Callaway's decision making is twofold. I expected him to have a rough first season as an MLB manager. It's only natural that he would have that he would have some growing pains, and he certainly did. But my hope was that he would grow from those mistakes in the second year, and I'm not just I'm just not seeing that. Additionally, 
uh, and I'm sure you guys see this at his press conferences as well, he gets very combative and defensive whenever he is confronted with a bad decision after the game. He seems to be very closed-minded, and that doesn't bode well for the future. Now, with regards to Matt, oh, boy, <laughs> he, he can be very exasperating. He, I love Matt, but he's a complete enigma. It's amazing to me how he can look so stellar in one start and so awful in his next start. It's a pattern with him. But what really bothers me the most about Matt is how quickly he becomes unraveled after he gives up a home run or if there's an error on the field. He completely loses his focus <clears throat> and concentration, and the opposing hitters smell blood in the water. Yeah, it seems to be the case with Matt. It's more of a, sometimes, I should say, sometimes it's a, a psychological issue with him as far as a, a physical issue with him. So there's a couple other things. I mean, the Mets are probably one of the most... Uh, most polarizing teams out there at the moment with everything they got going on. And you mentioned Callaway's decision-making. One of the decisions was not bringing in Edwin Diaz the other day when the bases were loaded in the, and he kept in, he brought in Gazelman. So that's just another example of Callaway's, um, I don't know if that's coming from Brody or if that's Callaway. And what, are you, what were your thoughts on Diaz only pitching three outs for the rest of the year? Well, I, I, I have no doubt that Brody has... Uh some say in, in the lineup construction and stuff like that. But then once you're in game, uh, in the game and the game's going on, I think that's all Callaway. Um, you, you know, it, it's crazy because it always, it seems like it's always feast or famine with the Mets for some odd reason. Mm -hmm. In Terry Collins, we had a manager who overextended his use of the closer, constantly sending him out for multiple innings, using him in blowouts and non-safe situations. And now we have a manager who is the exact opposite and refuses to use his closer for more than three outs. It's so bizarre, but I don't know. I guess that's a lot in life as Mets fans. <laughs> and it's a little weird because Callaway seemed to be a guy that was all about the advanced statistics and he'll throw a closer exactly. he'll throw the closer anytime the situation uh dictates it but now it seems to be the total opposite of what he was saying when he first came over so who knows really what to believe with uh what's going on over there let's uh yeah. let's hit some bright spots real quick with um Jeff McNeil, Pete Alonso, Michael Conforto and these are three of the best young players in in Major League Baseball what Jeff McNeil's doing is is truly special what uh what oh, have you seen from these yeah. guys Oh, absolutely. I agree with you. They are uh, some of the best young players in baseball. In fact, right now, <clears throat> the three of them, uh, McNeil, Conforto, and Alonzo, are 1-2-3 on the Mets in hits, batting average, slugging percentage, OPS plus, and more. I mean, who could have predicted that when the yeah. season started? Um, what we have here is essentially the core of the Mets' offense for years to come. And, and, and the great part about it is we're talking about players who are only 25 and 26 years old, and the best is yet to come. These guys have yet to reach their prime, and they're already, look, you know, looking like the best players on the Mets right now. Uh, so I'm really excited about, about all three. Um, my only concern is I would really prefer it if they can find one role for McNeil instead of, um, you know, having them uh, all over the place. Mm -hmm. I, I have no doubts that McNeil could handle it defensively, but I think we would get more out of him if he can just stay at one position, focus on that one position, and become great at that one position. Yeah. So uh, a 
position or an area that a lot of Mets fans are focusing on is the back end of this rotation. Can you give us any insight or update on talks about perhaps Dallas Keuchel or Mike Miner? Well, as far as, far as uh, Miner goes, the latest that I heard is that the Phillies may be uh, pretty close to, uh, to trading for him. So I don't know how much uh, I don't know how much to put into that. I believe it was uh, John Heyman uh, who uh, posted that rumor. Uh, but here's the bottom line with these two guys. All right, I I, I, t- I took a look at them the other day actually, and their career FIP, WHIP, and even their strikeout rates are nearly identical. Hmm. But my preference is uh, Keiko because he's a year younger, has a more level pattern of consistency. And he'll come on a one-year deal. Um, Miner scares me because, um, you know, while his average numbers are, are very similar to Keiko, it's always like uh, a hit or miss. One bad season, one great season. One bad season, one great season. So you kind of average that out, and it looks like, you know, he's a pretty good pitcher. I, I'm, my fear is that we get him... Uh, on the rebound because he's right. been on a pretty good run, yeah. and uh, I'd hate to see that happen. With Keiko, we know what we're going to get because he's been giving us the same exact season mm-hmm. for about six or seven seven years now. Yeah, the, the fear of Mike Miner is that he's Mike Miner, <laughs> and that's I don't think people are getting caught up in what he's doing in the in the past few weeks. Um, another question, and again, I own a lot of Mets in my fantasy leagues. I'm a little concerned with Brandon Nimmo. What kind of update can you give me with the neck injury, please? Um, well, as far, as far as the injury goes, you never know. I mean, even with a new regime, you know, every time there's a, a, a player injury, you know, it's like you're heading into the twilight zone. <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody can predict anything with any real accuracy. So you just keep your fingers crossed and hope for the best. Uh, you know, I was a little concerned about the very slow start Nimmo got off to, particularly the the high strikeouts. That yeah. was what was most alarming to me because he never was that kind of a player in the minors. He always hit in the minors. He was always a high on-base percentage guy in the minors. So I expect him, I expect him to come out of that. I expect him to return to basics and become the kind of hitter that he's always showed himself to be. Uh, and it looked like he was uh, he was starting to do that before the injury. So for Nimmo fantasy owners, you're saying hold on to him, yes? Yeah, okay. yeah, I would hold on to him. Uh, he's too good right. uh, not to revert back to his former self. He's just too good. So, so before we let you go, Joe, um, courtesy of Mets Mariz and courtesy of you, I was able to attend the uh, the Mets Twins game in the press box, which was a great experience. And that was Noah Syndergaard's arguably his best game of the season. He came out for the eighth inning and gave up a couple of runs, but the first seven innings he was dynamite, lights out. And his last start, he went five innings, five earned. He did have nine strikeouts, but have, what have you seen from Syndergaard so far? And do you see an improvement in the last two starts? Even though he did give up the five runs last start, he struck out nine batters. Yeah, um, it's tough to tell because the 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 one thing about uh, Noah Syndergaard that he's not doing anymore is uh, is missing bats at the same frequency that he used to when he was you know pitching at a higher level. Mm-hmm. He's getting his strikeouts, sure, but um, they're making harder contact on him. I mean, it, it's become so much more easier the hitters to pull the ball, and that was something we didn't see very much of 
uh, with Syndergaard two and three years ago. So that's a little concerning. I, uh, the other thing is, the other thing is, I think he feels he puts a lot of pressure on himself to perform. Um, he, he has this image of himself, you know, as being a, an elite pitcher, and at times he is an elite pitcher. But I think he puts him, puts so much pressure on himself that it, it kind of has a, an adverse effect on him once he's on the mound. And you can see it. You can see how frustrated he gets uh, when, whenever someone's on base, whenever so, whenever he gives up a home run, which unfortunately he's giving up uh, more now than he ever did before. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm a little concerned, but like Memo, I, I expect Syndergaard to kind of revert to his norm. I'm hoping that Dave Island will work with him and try to get uh, his head straight psychologically and uh, and physically start doing some of the things mechanics-wise that made him so successful previously. All right. We're talking with Joe DeCaro at Metsmerized, M-E-T-S-M-E-R-I-Z-E-D on Twitter. He's the editor of Metsmerized Online. A couple of more minutes. To those that don't know, what is Metsmerized Online? <clears throat> well, um, it started, actually, it just started out as a personal uh, blog for me, you know, <laughs> uh, sort of like my own Mets diary. But uh, it really grew in leaps and bounds. I mean, I can't even explain uh, how that happened, and I'm still humbled by it. But, but now we're a, a multi-author site. You know, we have some amazing writers, some great talent, and we cover the whole gamut in MLB as well as, as, well as the Mets. And uh, we try to do a player interview or at least one a week, uh, we try to cover as many of the games as we can, live and in person. Uh, we travel to the events, whether it's uh, baseball winter meetings, spring training, and uh, we try to give our readers, you know, as much information about the team that we possibly can, as well as uh, sharing our own opinions. Uh, uh, on a variety of different team-related issues. Yeah, well, you brought on one of the best and my buddy Mike the Rotocop, so I thank you for taking him off my hands for a couple of days a week. One last question <laughs> before we let you go. So the Mets have seemingly played all but, I think, five games this year against against East rivals. How confident should Met fans be for their team in this division based off of what we've seen so far? Uh, well, you know what? Uh, from what I've seen, it, this this whole season is just going to be a battle. Uh, uh, we're going to see uh, the Mets and, and the Nationals and the Phillies and the Braves, you know, locked in a, a fourteen battle for the top of the NL East. And there's really no clear cut favorite, in my opinion. I mean, everyone predicted, all the experts predicted uh, that the Nationals were going to run away with this again. And, and I, I just don't see that. I don't see anybody running away with it. I think there's going to be some hard-fought, exciting baseball, and I think everybody should tune in because I think this is going to be one of the uh, best NL East races we've seen in a long, long time. All right, Mike, you want to say goodbye to your boss? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Joe. Thanks, appreciate coming on. Hey, Joe, thank you so thank much. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me on. I uh, Enjoy the rest of the season. All Thanks, right, you too. too. That's Joe DeCaro at Metsmerized on Twitter, the editor of Metsmerized Online. That is a great call. I really love, Mike, when you get these guys.
He's that, passionate. He's, he's but, a passionate. But we get this insight that I think that, the, you know, average fans don't get. I mean, most times you just get something from a beat reporter or you get something along those lines. And when you get someone that is just so immersed in the team, mm -hmm. it really gives us some good insight. I mean, that Brandon Nimmo thing, I own Nimmo in, I think, four out of the seven leagues that I'm in. And I rest, I texted you, do I drop Nimmo? Yeah. And he's like, no, don't drop him just yet. So so really a great get there. And we, we thank Joe very, very much for that. Um, so we talked a lot about starting pitching. We talked about Syndergaard. We talked about Keiko, whatever. So let's transition into the fact that uh, there are some struggling top-tier pitchers out in the majors right now. And if you are one of the people out there that have drafted a Chris Sale, me. You've drafted an Aaron Nola, me. You've drafted a Corey Kluber. Do you own Kluber at all? I do not own Kluber. Uh, what do you do? So, so right away, um, I, I want to talk to you about Chris Sale. Uh, for me, velocity has been down, although I think he touched 95 or 96 in his last start. But Yeah, 96.8 was his max velo in his last start. So here's what concerns me, though. All right. Through Sale's career, he's always had an ERA and a FIP that are relatively close. Now, just real quick, and I, and I know, Mike, you didn't want to do this, but I have to do this. So when I first started learning metrics, I didn't know what FIP, WHIP, WOBA was. So FIP is basically fielding independent pitching. It's like ERA, but it's a bit more accurate because it only takes into account the things that a pitcher is responsible for, things a pitcher can control, home runs, strikeouts, hit by pitch, walks, etc. It takes out of the equation a shift, an error, a bloop, things like that. So when I see a guy with a low FIP but a high ERA, I think that guy's a victim of bad luck, mm -hmm. and he could be a great buy-low option. So now that I've identified FIP for you, Back to Chris Sale. Sale has always had an ERA and a FIP that are relatively close. Okay? This year, in four starts, his FIP is 6.33 and his ERA is 8.5. So, it tells me that there's a bit of bad luck here, but in four starts, eight innings pitched. That's about four and a quarter innings a start, right? My math is on point. That's not good. He surrendered 18 five. innings pitched. 18 innings. What did I say? Eight. I'm sorry. 18. There was a one in front of the eight. Um... Yeah, so he had 18 in innings pitch, four and a quarter innings a start. That's not good. He surrendered five home runs, which to me is a result of the decreased velocity. But keep in mind, in 10 seasons, Chris Sale has given up a total of 153 home runs. That averages out to about 15 a year. That's not what he gives up yet. It's just the average. He's given up a third of that already. So either Chris Sale finds it and settles down and becomes Chris Sale, or I think if you own him like I do, I think you maybe shop him. Like you said, he finally hit a, a, a good number in his max velo in his last start against the Yankees, but he's still giving up doubles to Mike Talkman and giving up home runs to Clint Frazier, which is not the Chris Sale that, that we always no. know. His four-seam has a, a negative 7.7 p-value, uh, his pitch value on his four-seam, which is absurd because it's always been one of his best pitches throughout his career. But the home runs, he's given up two and a half home runs per nine, and he's still getting guys to chase, and the swing, the swing and strike rate's still around league average, but I'm still more worried about him than I am the other two guys on the that you described in uh, that you mentioned in mm -hmm. Nola and Kluber. Out of those three, I think I'm, I'm most worried about Sale. So you're talking to me. I'm a listener right now. Um, I own Chris Sale. Mm -hmm. Do I try to trade him right now? Yes or no? That's such a that's such a great question. Thanks. I don't know about great question. Uh, I could use the word polarizing again because Chris Sale is a polarizing figure. But do I try and get rid of Chris Sale? And what kind of deal would you say yes? 
Because look, I've been looking at this a lot was of the leagues. third starting pitcher off the board. He was going right. in the first round of so a fifteen team. You want to get back someone that is of of equivalue. But here's the thing: who's going to trade for him? Batting right now is outdoing pitching in the entire league, mm-hmm. especially in fantasy. Mm-hmm. All of the top fantasy point leaders are hitters. And if you look, I always look back at my last year mm-hmm. in my league. It's always pitchers, just because of the the the, the volume of points that they can accrue far outweighs batters. But right now you got guys like Christian Yelich and, and Domingo Santana. Well, to an extent, he's kind of cooled down. But these guys are now raking, and it's the pitchers that are suffering. So what kind of deal would you make for Chris Sale today? If it was me it's and you. I own Chris Sale, yes. I would trade Chris Sale for Herman Marquez. And I brought this up in a group chat. fine. And they told me I was crazy for that. That was before his last start where he hit 97. But so no probably... one's going to do that straight up. As far as a, a Chris Sale a owner? A trade, yeah. As far I, as a Herman Marquez owner? Yes. You don't think anybody would no, trade no, no. Herman Marquez for Chris no, Sale right No, if you're the Herman Marquez owner, and yeah, I think I think you do, and I think you feel like you win. I think as a Chris Sale owner, do I feel comfortable giving you Sale for Marquez? See, I would. Who starts half his games in Colorado? I would. You would? Give me another scenario, and then we'll move on to Aaron Nola. Another scenario. Give me a batter that you would trade for Chris Sale. Would you do Altuve for Sale straight up? No, no way. No way why? Not if I had Altuve. That's right. Yeah, no, no way. So, but do you see what we're saying now? Like, Sale, really? You're going to try to, you're going to have to look for fourth round guys to try to grab for Sale one on one. That's amazing that we're saying that right and now at the beginning a of A month April. and a half from now, that could be a totally different conversation. Correct. Going in either direction. All right, which you tend to do, which is cool. Anyway, let's look at a, another pitcher, uh, Aaron Nola. Uh, his FIP and his ERA tell a similar story. Here's my problem with this whole conversation. The, the sample size is so small. These guys have four starts. you know. And I, and I looked at a lot of guys and, and how they started last season as well. I want to revisit this uh, a month from now. Yeah, definitely. But just keeping with this, just because it's the segment, <laughs> that's what we're going to do. In four starts, Aaron Nola has pitched 19 innings. So that's about five innings pitched to start. He's given up five home runs. In five seasons, Nola has surrendered 61 home runs. So he averages about 12 home runs, and he's given up five already. Mm-hmm. But an encouraging sign for me, for Aaron Nola owners, I'm one of them. In 19 innings pitch, he has 19 strikeouts. That's consistent with his K over nine through his entire career. He's consistent. Again, the sample size is too low for me to warrant trading Nola just yet. If there was a velocity issue or he had wear and tear on his arm or even if there was more time in the league and the league had to figure him out, I'd advocate trading him. But right now, I own him and I'm not trading him unless you come to me with a blockbuster. Would you trade Nola for sale right now? Not if I was a Nola owner. See? Isn't that nuts? That is crazy. And the thing with Nola and the reason I say no is because... Nola. He's... He's had um, a... <laughs> I thought it was funny. Sorry. <laughs> He's had pretty stiff competition so far. Atlanta, Washington twice, and the Mets. Okay. So he is another guy with a negative four-seam pitch value. And even though he does have a decent amount of Ks, he's not, he's not missing the same uh, amount of bats as he was last year. But the problem here is the walks, because the velo is still there, and walks are something you could fix. That's an easier fix Good than point. Chris Sale throwing 91 one game, 96 the next game. Who knows what we're going to see next game. So that's a fixable. Same thing when we get to Kluber. These guys have stuff that they could fix a lot easier than Chris Sale. Chris Sale giving up home runs to Clint Frazier, doubles to Mike Talkman, and the velo being up and down. So that's why I would say I would keep Nola over Sale. And if I was a, a Nola owner, I would not trade him for Chris Sale right now. All right. So we're in accord there. Now let's get to Corey Kluber. And again, using this FIP ERA correlation that, to me, it works, and we're going to talk about another pitcher where it 
may not have worked, but uh, the FIP correlation on Kluber tells me all that I need to know. A FIP of four, an ERA of 6.16 tells me he's a victim, just straight up. 21 strikeouts over 19 innings is on par with what Kluber does. The 10 walks in 19 innings, it tells me something. It tells me that Kluber may be afraid to pitch to guys because he does not trust his defense. So I think you can go out and try to get him if someone is selling on Corey Kluber. He's a perfect guy that you should go and try to take mm -hmm. from someone. Would you do Kluber for Nola? Would you do Kluber for sale? Kluber, Kluber and Nola are kind of on the same, the same level for me right now. I'm not as worried about them as I am about sale. Would I do Kluber for sale? Probably not, honestly. The way sales has been so tumultuous at the start of the season, Kluber, unlike Nola, has faced easy competition in the Royals, the White Sox, the Tigers, and Minnesota, all division games, and he's struggling already to start the season against his division opponents, which he's going to see a couple mm -hmm. more times a year, so that's something to keep an eye on. But he's still getting his Ks. His swing and strike percentage right now would be the second highest of his career at 13.3%. And the walks, you said, are an issue, but like Nola, the walks are something you could fix. And guys like Corey Kluber, Aaron Nola, they tend to fix uh, fix things such as uh, minuscule as walks. So there's a lot of other stuff to worry about when you're talking about Chris Sale as opposed to these two guys. So if you're a Kluber owner, you sit tight? Yeah, I would I would, yeah. I would hang on to Kluber. I'd hang on to Nola. Mm -hmm. Sale, if you could mm -hmm. get a guy like Herman yeah. Marquez, I'm all for it. I'll advocate for it, but okay. most people won't. So I don't know if you want to take my word for it or take the industry word for it, whatever you want to do. <laughs> well, you are the industry. So in summation, if you're a sale owner, you're worried, and if you can get something for him, you should explore that. If you're a Nola owner, sit tight. He's going to rebound. And if you're a Kluber owner, just look at the numbers and don't worry at all. Correct? And if you're a Nick Pavetta owner. Okay, so if you're now a Nick let's Pavetta go. Owner, so... Just delete your team from your Well, league. no, no, hang on a second. <laughs> Let me push back here because I am a Nick Pavetta owner. I've talked as to you about I. Nick as Pavetta I, for yeah. quite some time uh, before the season began. I had him slotted as a, an SP3. I draft him across the board, and here's why. 95-mile-per-hour fastball, 85, 86-mile-per-hour slider, and a great change. I looked at his FIP. It went down a full run from 2017 to 2018. To me, that said a lot. If you're in a 12-team league, I think you can drop Nick Pavetta and maybe try to get him back later or something like that. But if you're in a 15-teamer, I think Pavetta comes back up in three weeks. So depending on what your waiver wire looks like, you might want to hold on to Nick Pavetta because he's going to be back up, especially if you're in a, in a deep 15-team league. So let me tell you something. That let, me, let me tell you something, brother. That we've never discussed. Oh, wow, I drafted nice. Nick Pavetta as my number one starting pitcher. Get off in, my show. Take a, your headphones off. Close your laptop. Get league. off my listen, show. Listen, Joe, listen. you're going to take over. So the other pitchers. Wait, number one in NFBC league? In an NFBC league, oh he's my gosh. number one starting pitcher. Why? My other starting pitchers, uh, my other pitchers. The starting pitchers are Danny Duffy. <laughs> my other pitchers, because there's only pitchers in, in NFPC. Right. Araldis Chapman. Yep. Blake Trinan. Uh -huh. Jordan Hicks. Uh -huh. Sounds great, right? So far, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at your ratios. Chris right? Paddock. Yeah, cool. Domingo Herman. Okay. You love him. And then it's three and oh, And then it goes, uh, then it goes down. He left there. Brad no, 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 no. Who's the go? Go ahead. So my starting staff out of, out of the draft was yeah. Nick Pavetta. Yeah. Rich Hill, who's I hurt, mean, hasn't pitched yet. Pavetta's in the minors. Yeah. And Brad Peacock, who lost his starting Shoot, spot. Get off my show. So those are my three starting pitchers coming into the season with Chris Paddock and Herman. And Paddock and Herman have, have worked out phenomenally. Fine. Yeah, fine. 
phenomenal. Yeah. And those three haven't. So we'll see where we go from here. Uh, I had Trevor Trevor Cahill. I drafted. He uh, had one oh or two God. good starts. I'm just starts, losing but so much respect for you. Well, I'm, I have I have fire like irons on the fire for big things coming. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I can take you with me, man. Derek Holland. Derek Holland. I drafted. Who's what? having a pretty good year so far? What is What's wrong, wrong with Derek with Holland? He's a four year, right? twenty seven strikeouts in twenty two innings. What do you, I mean, who's next? Dontrell Willis? Like, who are you drafting here? Who are you? What have you done with my buddy? My offense is great, though, except for the fact that Trey Turner and Francisco Lindor and Matt Olson uh, are on my team, all three of them. I read Trey Turner made some progress today. Did you? Yeah. Is he running bases? Is that I, something possible that I he could be doing? I did not read that. I saw there was no timetable for his return still. Yeah, I think it was Matt Modica or maybe even Justin Mason that, that, that tweeted that oh, out, that, that Turner's got some uh, some good stuff going on. So, yeah, if you're a Pavetta mm-hmm. owner, like I said, in a 12-team, go ahead and drop him, pick someone else up. Uh, I have taken, let me remember, uh, Jeffers uh, back off the DL, mm-hmm. guys stupid idiots in my league are sleeping, so I grabbed him. down 4 nothing. Okay, yeah. and okay. I also picked up Tuki Toussaint partially because I like his name, but I also, there's a lot of options. Soraka pitched well today. Uh, I think Atlanta might be turning a corner. I noticed on one of my uh, fan tracks writers leagues, I still had Bryce Wilson on my roster, <laughs> and I feel like the rest of the league is laughing at me. Yeah. But um, I did tweet out that I love when I get waiver wire flexibility, because then I can just go crazy. And to me, that's how you win your league on the waiver wire, and that brings us into our next segment. We have taken an average guy, an average Joe. We gave him 100 US dollars, he bought into a league, he drafted a team, he knows nothing about baseball, all he knows is he's our sound guy, he's becoming my friend, I know you don't like to be friends with people, but I like to establish (laughs) meaningful relationships. And based off of just listening to our show, he's drafted a team. I'd like to bring in the manager of Average Joe's, Joe Behind the Glass. What's up? How we doing, man? How are you doing, buddy? Doing real well this week. How's your day going? Going all right. Yeah, how, all right. How, everything's good? Everything's good. See, Mike, this is how friends talk to one another. Joe, let's get to the, let's get to the meat and potatoes of this segment. You're in, you're in third place. Third place in a 12-man league. Congratulations. What you, what, yeah. A small sample size, though. There you Very go. small sample size. Very small sample size. What did size. Joe's team do last week? Joe's team. So we made a few moves for him, right? Yes, we picked up Christian Walker. We picked up Domingo Herman. Great. Uh, Who's the other guy? Domingo Herman got a relief win, by the way, this week. But if you didn't have him in your lineup, it's a daily, right? Daily changes? Yes, daily changes. So if he didn't have him in the lineup, he didn't get the uh, the credit, right? And then we picked up one more guy. I don't remember off the top of my head, Joe. It wasn't wasn't McNeil. That was two weeks ago. Yep. That was two weeks ago. That's a great pickup. It was a great pickup. So Uh, who, who did Joe play last week? Joe played Yadier League. And how'd he do? And he won 7-3, which put us in third place. So right now you're in third place. Now let's look at Joe's team. I say us, Joe. I I really mean you. But before (laughs) we go anyway, Joe, you've been looking at your team every single day, three, four times a day. Had to now. How do you feel? Feeling like I'm getting a little bit better grasp of it, especially when we're looking at the matchups from the day-to-day, but still... Kind of hard to predict here in the, the early going. Still some mishaps, Joe. You still uh, go a couple of days not not setting your lineup. But oh, Joe. You'll be oh. all right. You left Christian Walker on the bench How today, How do you Joe. not set your lineup? It was an early lineup. game. I know. It was an early game. You were you were at work. I it, know. It was a big big day this week for me. Or Joe. excuse me, big week this week for me. So. Joe, Wayne Gretzky said you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. I thought that was Michael Scott. You can't win I thought a it was league. Kobe Bryant. <laughs> you can't win a league if you don't set your lineups. Just listen, at night before you go to bed, even if you have to just click start active players, just do that. Make sure the guys that are starting are in. I, I got to find that button for sure. It's right there. It says start <laughs> active players. It'll be fine. So, Mike, let's uh, let's look at the team. Tell me uh, 
Who do you think? Do we have to make waiver wire moves this week for Joe? <laughs> this might not be a long segment because there is only one droppable guy on who is this that? team. Let me before I get to the who to the droppable guy. Let me tell you how good Joe's team is. Mike, doing. you are the best, worst at setting things up and just not giving the people Wait, what they want. Let me tell you how good Joe's team are doing. Colton Wong hitting three sixteen. Tim Anderson four twenty four. Nice. Victor Robles, Aaron Judge. Jeff McNeil hitting 424 as well. Josh Bell 310. David Dahl just got activated off the uh, off the DL during the show. Reese Hoskins, he's a little bit banged up. He's, you he's do have Christian up. Walker 291. Uh, Michael Franco has 18 RBIs. This is Joe's really put together something. But good I'm here. counting four of those guys are guys that we went in and picked up. Right? It gets better. It does. Jacob it? Degrom. Who? <laughs> Jose Barrios has a 2.3 year right. Tyler Glass now 4 nice. 0 with a 1.13 year right. got the goods. Anthony Swarzak, who we picked, we up, picked for up for him. Chris Paddock, who has you, a 1.29 year right. You know who that is. You Darvish, eh, whatever. Who Blake Parker was the guy that we picked up we last picked week up. for him, and he got the save yesterday. He's he's pretty cemented in as the closer right now, yep. but that changes pretty much day to day in Minnesota. Sandy Alcantara. Is the one guy that we told you to pick up, Joe, who hasn't paid dividends. So I think that would be the guy to drop after his last two starts have What's been. What's Alcantara's next start? At Cleveland, which is a weak lineup, but his last two starts, he did pretty bad. He had uh, he went five innings, six strikeouts, and mm. I believe he gave up. He's pitching on a terrible team. Four runs, if I'm not mistaken. Well, he is pitching on a terrible team. Let me ask something. He has a 5.09 ERA for All the right, year. All right, so we're going to look at the waiver wire for starting pitching. Joe, you're okay with this? Oh, yeah. Okay, and we'll we'll see if we can't ship Alcantara somewhere. But I, I want to ask the room. You, Darvish, you ready to cut cut bait on that? Are you asking me or are you asking I'm Joe? I'm just asking the room. <laughs> I think we give him one more week. One more one, week. Ah, one more start. Let's one give him a start. He had the most encouraging start of his year. He uh, he threw the hardest pitch that he's thrown in two years, a 98.7 mile per hour fastball. So, what's Darvish's next start? Home against Arizona. Weak lineup as well. I mean, not weak mm-hmm. lineup, but decent lineup. We don't have to start him, though. It was against the Marlins, so take it with a grain of salt that. Uh, that he pitched now, very it well. Was, it was Paul Sporer, uh, I guess it was last week, that talked about the fact that he doesn't think Darvish is over the blister issues. That's a good point. It's interesting. So I don't um, know if, if that makes Joe right. a cup beat or so not. So why don't you, uh, what's his matchup this week? Home against Arizona. No, oh, talking about Joe. Oh, I was going to say, making me repeat myself. I don't like repeating myself. <laughs> I don't uh, like when you repeat yourself either. Um, he's facing E6. He E6, you played E6 in week one. That is a very quick turnaround. I don't know what's up with uh, these Yahoo. E6 trying to pick on us. Um, we have to get E6 to call in. As far as right now, Joe's got 20 innings with a 3-9. E6 has 16 innings with a 3-2. So pitching is very close. Joe's okay. up by five strikeouts. Joe's up one win. So I think we keep throwing guys just to keep what the strikeouts the hitting? and wins. As far as the hitting, Joe's hitting 279. E6 is hitting 333. He has Marcelo Zuna, who has three homers and five RBIs in the week. Javier Baez, two homers, four RBIs in the week. Omar Navaez homered. He's got Domingo Santana. Um, Let me ask something. Do we we look at a hitter? Do we dump, just move Alcantara for a hitter? What's Joe's bench looking like? Is it long? No, not by any means. Not after last week. Cesar Hernandez, who's been playing a little better. That's the only reason I didn't want to drop him. Joe, have you been looking at your team and thinking things that you might want to do? You might want to influence us? Not at this point. <laughs> I like I like seeing you guys work. You well, Dow, Dow's back today, so yes. that's, that's a... That'll help. That will help, so I think maybe we should go start in pitching here. 
Okay. Pull up the so free agents. look, look up the uh, the free agents and let's see if we're gonna DFA Alcantara and uh, what kind of pitcher we pick. Frankie Montas. No. You remember when you made that Frankie I Montas did, I joke? Did on fantasy. Oh man, fantasy, good times. Mike Miner. No, I don't. Here's the thing: everyone loves Mike Miner. My problem is he's Mike Miner. Your boy Tuki Toussaint. We T- can pick Tukey up Toussaint and start tomorrow. Is at a good Cleveland. pickup. Go ahead. Who else? I'm looking Vince Velasquez at Colorado. We're not. Nah, gonna, we don't do that. Yeah, we don't do that. Does Hujo's closers? Swarzak and who? He has Blake Parker. Do we want? Is Jeffries available in this league? Why are you so sold on Jeffries being the closer? Because who else is going to be the closer? Craig Josh Hader. He's doing a pretty good job. Okay. Is Pedro Strop available? Let me see what the save situation is like in the. Uh, Joe, you, you hear the way my my co-host talks to me? I do. I mean, well, what would you do there if you were no me? closers to be had. If you no were me, how would you had. deal with this guy? Pedro Strop is available. I deal with it because it shows some passion when it he's does. doing this team. Bat flip. Pedro Strop yeah. is available, huh? Yeah. I have Strop in one of my leagues, and I think I want to get rid of him, but the rule is, is you just don't drop closers. He has one save this year, so he yeah, hasn't really been closing too many right. games. Um, Toussaint, give me some other pitchers that might be around. So we were at, and also I wanted to ask you, what about doing the John Gant or Josh James thing, where you just kind you of love John Gant? I don't think we've gotten there. through like one of these shows without a John Gant. <laughs> well, because show. look, the, the way that, that, especially with the way starting pitching is faltering this season, I think if you get a guy that you could throw out there every day, that's going to you know give you a nice little low whip, could get you a win after only pitching an inning or a third or two innings. To me, that's worth it. So John Gant, Josh James, there's a lot of guys out there that that could be that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I agree. I don't mean to don't mean to put you off here. I agree. Uh, Luke Weaver had a great start today. Five innings, nine Ks, no runs. That's another option. I know people are jumping back on his bandwagon. Derek yes. Holland, like no. I said, four year. Right? No. Trevor Cahill, Tyson no. Ross. No. No, I think we're between uh, Montas. I like Miner. I don't know why you don't like Miner. I just don't. You've been like killing him. them all show. Yeah. Spencer Turnbull. I had him and just dropped him. He people didn't get out of five innings yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to throw Velasquez. So Tuki or Montas? I'm fine with Tuki. Upside. You like Tuki? Sounds good to me. Oh, but you got to say his name. Tuki. Yeah, see, he called like he was calling him from down the street. <laughs> uh, wasn't that um, somebody's name in American Gangster? Tuki, if I'm not mistaken. I don't watch Frank movies. Lucas. I don't watch TV or movies. You never seen that movie? No. You've seen that movie, right, Joe? Yeah. Uh, only the clips you get, you know, when it's on every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what are we doing here? We're dropping Alcantara. We're picking up Tuki Toussaint. Yes, Tuki Toussaint. All right. And I think I know a good way to round this episode out. How do you do it? What are some fantasy baseball unwritten rules that you guys know? Wait, good. Joe, you, you almost great. read my mind. Well, hang on. Do, I was going to say. Did we do the deal for Toussaint yet? Toussaint's in. Okay. So. I was going to one-up Joe here. <laughs> say, wow. Why would you I, do that to Joe? Because I wanted to put you on the spot. Give Why us, me? Give, Why are you putting me? No, no, no. We're sticking me, with Joe. Joe I'm not, no. and the listeners no. some nope. unwritten rules about the WWE no, and wrestling. One written, unwritten rule about WWE is that you don't talk to Mike the Rona. Always sell. Always sell the finisher. So that this, is, is, this is a great point that you made. Unwritten rules in fantasy baseball. Now, there isn't really anything you can do that guys in your league are going to say, you know, let's fight. Unless you're the kind. So I did this one year in my league. I hated everybody. And I was like a million points out. And I went and I dropped Mike Trout, uh, Jose Altuve. And I had a great team, but for whatever reason, I just I didn't pay attention to it. And I flooded the market with all these guys. 
I've been kicked out of that league. I can't go back into that league. So I think that's one thing. Maybe why would you do that? Because I just I was very far out and I hated everybody. Interesting. And I saw that the guy that was in second place was one on the waiver wire, and the guy that was in first place was a guy that I had venom for. So I knew that Trout's going to be that kid. That guy will get the waiver wire one. He gets Mike Trout. That they, is messed they kicked up. Me That's diabolical stuff right um, there. Did they, another, you, did they let you play out the season or they just... The, the season was ending. That okay. I was done. I got, I got a funny one. And it's funny that we're talking about this now because I just got in my Yahoo Pro 1000 League. I got a message from somebody because you don't know these guys. So they have to talk to you through the messages sure. and the trades. So he offers me Mitch Moreland for Chris Paddock. I'm obviously saying no He's to that. He's an idiot. You should fight him. He did it for a reason. Under the notes, it says... You offer me Meekless and Stripling, and you drop them. Are you going to drop Paddock, too? So I've been offering this guy my, uh, Meekless been, and Stripling over and over him. and over again, and then I dropped him, and now he's he did that as kind of okay. like a dig. Are you going to drop Paddock, too? So here's another so thing. So that's kind of an unwritten rule that I broke, I guess. That I have a problem with. So another unwritten rule in fantasy baseball is, is that you don't drop closers. Oh. Closers are like gold. Here's a third thing, and I have this problem in one of my leagues. I won't say names, but the person that's listening definitely knows that it's him. I don't like if I saw three days earlier you've just picked up player A on the waiver wire and now you've turned around and put him in a trade with someone that we all I'm know the king of that. doesn't the king know of that. anything about the game, that you've bullied him into a trade, and it's a guy that you just picked up on the waiver wire. The trade in my league, I think, was Porcello, Vizcaeno, and Wong for Eflin and Adam Jones. It's, it's a crap trade anyway, but Vizcaino's arm fell off. Wong, the guy picked him up on the waiver wire, but he's, he's Wong, and Porcello stinks. So basically, what did you do? You traded Porcello for Eflin and Jones, and mm-hmm. you bullied the kid into making the trade anyway. So you're a dick. All Not right. you, this guy. All right. Not me either. No, you're a dick. So I got, I got a couple questions for you then. Go ahead, buddy. Friend of mine. You're lying already. Plays, plays, in, a work, plays in a work league. Was invited this year. New rules. Waiver wire pickups are unlimited. However, there is a gentleman's agreement to only pick up six players. Nope. Sorry. No, absolutely not. Sorry. Okay. There's no gentleman in fantasy sorry. baseball. He's going to be so happy to hear you guys say that. Yeah, no. Number two, last year, he was uh, in the last championship game. The opponent that he was going against now had to pick up a pitcher to start on the final day. Sure. There were only X amount of pitchers available. Yeah. He picked them all up. He picked them all God up bless and them. dropped them. Great move. <laughs> so you can't pick them up because the waiver, the, yes. the period. Great. I've been there. Great I've done move. it. Yeah. They reneged on their, uh, I guess, rules and made those pitchers available for that other opponent to oh, pick that's up. Terrible. And but the strategy. I've encountered I, that many times because when there's a minimum innings pitch limit and somebody, say the minimum innings is 24 or 40 and somebody has 36 innings, Saturday night they need to pick up somebody for Sunday. They're out at the bar. The other kid just swoops in as, as soon as it hits 3 a.m. and the Yahoo yep. clock changes, yep. picks up all the starting pitchers and they're stuck at 36 innings. Yeah. I've done it. All 100%. right. Uh, I've oh. also done things like if I'm at an innings limit, but uh, I'm at 13.99 on the last day of the year, and I pick up a guy that goes nine innings. Those nine innings count, yeah. right? Yeah. Because he started at 13.99. So all that stuff to me is strategy. Yeah. So I'm 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 down. I'm down for that. Yeah, all right. I totally agree. All right, Mike. Anything else you want to talk about here? Five minutes yeah, to I go. Want, I want one unwritten oh, yeah. rule of wrestling. One. Is that you don't talk about wrestling with people that aren't oh. in the locker room, and that's that's a huge unwritten rule. And I, I that's, that doesn't seem to be the case when I open the internet and see everybody. But that's talking that's about not wrestling. me doing it. 
Fair enough. So, I mean, you could say whatever you want. I'm, I'm old school. I always have been. I, I was taught the right way by, by Hall of Famers and legends, and it's just not something that, that you talk about. Fair enough. All right? Jeez Louise. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so what we've given you here today is we've talked about some of the top-tier pitchers that are I struggling. I hate how you do that. You turn it around on me and make me feel bad for yeah, asking the question. I, do, I hate that. Yeah, man. Anyway, my mom's a psychologist, so I've learned how to do this. <laughs> Hi, mom. Um, so, yeah, we talked about top-tier pitchers that may be struggling. Uh, if you should try to make some deals, we uh, took Joe's team. He's in third place, and if you've been following along, we've been dropping and adding, and perhaps you're following along too. I want to tell you this. This is fantastic. I was on the phone with customer service two days ago, and the guy on the other line says, uh, do you call in a lot? Your voice sounds really familiar. And I'm waiting for the obvious. And I had MLB Network on in the background, and the call was going on, and he goes, wait a minute, you do a fantasy baseball show? And I gushed, because for the first time, I'm being recognized for doing fantasy baseball and not wrestling, and it made me feel really good. And he's like, yeah, 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 you do fantasy baseball with that other guy. So I think that's going to wow. be the name of my you, show. You did not tell me that. It's going to be the other guy. You did not tell me that. All right. So um, a lot of good games on tap. Uh, as always, we remind you, check your waiver wire. Constantly check your waiver wire. Also, check your league transactions. Try to see who other guys have dropped. Try to pay attention to what other guys do, and that way you can win your league. At Mike the Rotocop is an amazing follow on social media as well as his Instagram because Mike will constantly be tweeting things that, I mean, you watch a ton of baseball. I watch a ton of baseball. We're tweeting stuff in real time. And if you can get to your waiver wire two minutes before the guy that is ahead of you gets to your waiver wire, that's how you win your leagues. And following at Mike the Rotocop is definitely great. Following at Matt underscore striker underscore as well will constantly be just giving you our thoughts our feelings, our opinions, and of course you can follow Joe, but Joe's a little paranoid. He's always looking over his shoulder, but we've got your back, Joe. Don't you worry. All right, for Mike, Joe, this is Matt saying good luck, be safe, have fun. We'll see you out there. That was good.